welcome back. We are going to be uh, going over Series 63 information. So um, let's just hit on the regulatory framework. Um, in this test, you will be tested on four main laws. And starting on the red or starting on the state side, you have the Uniform Securities Act or the USA. Um, and then uh, hitting more on the other state law is the NASSAA, sorry, NASAAA, Statement of Policy and Model and Rules um, Law. So these two are at the state level, and then at the federal level, you have the Investment Advisors Act of 1940, where you mainly speak to the SEC, and these are federal securities. Um, and then another one is uh, NSMIA, also SEC, Federal Covered Securities. Um, some key terms that will um, that you'll see in this test is uh, persons. Any persons is uh, can be individuals, natural persons, humans, corporations, and trust, governments and government agencies, municipalities. Um, for this, just remember who aren't persons. So there's three main categories of not persons, minors, minors need a custodian, um, the deceased, so dead people need an executor, and then the third one is mentally incompetent, um, they would need a guardian. So remember, minors, deceased, and mentally incompetent. So remember the state's definition, um, 50 states and the territory and possessions of the United States includes Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico. Um, another key term is administrator the office or agency that enforces the state security laws. Each state has an admin or administrator to enforce that state's adoption on the USA law. And USA law is not like the United States, the USA law. Um, overview of key persons that will come up. Um, the first one is a broker dealer. Any person affecting securities transactions must register at the state and federal level. Um, and this would be a firm. And then working for that broker dealer would be an agent, an individual natural person who represents the broker dealers only has to register at the state level. So remember, there's broker dealers, federal and state, and then agent uh, only at the state level. And then on the other side, you have IAs, investment advisors, um, sales investment related advice, state registered or federal covered. So remember, they can be registered at the state or federal. Um, we'll talk more about that when we get into it. And the person who works for the IA is an IAR, investment advisor representative, uh, individual, natural person who represents the IA firm is registered at the state level. So remember, investment advisor is the firm that sells investment related advice and is state registered or federal cover. There's, uh, there is a requirement for that. And then investment advisor representative works for the IA and is registered only at the state level. All right, so let's start with broker dealers. A broker dealer is a person who affects securities transactions for one, A, its own account, or two, the account of others, example, prop trading or trading for customers. Um, what are the requirements for a broker dealer to register? Um, if a broker-dealer has an office in a state, it must register in that state, or if a broker-dealer has at least one uh, residential retail client, remember, retail client only, um, then it must register in the state. 
Um, and so remember the test to register in the state is does the broker dealer have an office in that state? And if it does, it must register or if the broker dealer has at least one um, retail client, it's a resident in the state. Um, what is an exclusion from the broker dealer? So what are not broker dealers? Um, agents would not be broker dealers. These are the employees of the broker dealers. So they're, they're, they're not broker dealers. Issuers are customers of broker dealers. They are not broker dealers. Individual trading, individuals trading on their personal accounts. Um, if they make trades on their personal account, I guess this would be maybe employees. They are not broker dealers. Out-of-state broker dealers and no retail and no office in the state. So this is the opposite of the test to uh, be required to uh, register in that state. Doesn't meet, does not um, qualify as a broker dealer. And uh, banking savings is institutional and trust companies um, because these already follow strict banking laws. Um, this would not include companies like HSBC because they have the security insurance. Um, so how would you register as a broker dealer? How to register as a broker dealer? You got to file form BD, submit an application to the state and federal level. Um, in the application, there you have to consent to service a process. Um, this uh, essentially, please remember this uh, allows the administrator to receive and process non-criminal securities-related complaints against the applicant. So remember that. Um, so when you're submitting an application, you got to consent to service a process. You got to pay filing fees. Um, you have to publish an announcement or registration. Example, um, you might have to publish that the BD is registering in the new state in the news, maybe in a newspaper. Meet the minimum financial bonding and record keeping requirements. Um, rules. Remember, each state rules um, no higher than the SEC federal requirements, um, effectiveness is noon, 30 days after filing, and you must renew every uh, December 31st. Let's do some practice questions here so we can drill the idea a little bit better. Broker-dealer XYZ has an office in state A, but all of its retail and institutional clients are in state B. Where, would, where must XYZ register? So because it has an office in state A and retail clients in state B, the answer would be state A and state B. Broker dealer ABC has an office in state A and sells securities to institutions in state A and B. Where must ABC register? This one would be state A because it has institutional clients in A and B, but it only has an office in A. Broker-dealer XYZ's office and all of its clients are in State A. To grow its State A business, XYZ builds a new website and broadcasts radio and TV ads that reach out to residents of State A, B, and C. Where must broker-dealer XYZ register? Uh, so its only office and its clients are in State A. It would only have to register in State A. Until it gets clients in those other ones, it can broadcast out. So the answer would be state A only. So last question. Um, broker DEF does business with state A retail client who spends three months out of the year in state B. 
if DEF does business with the client while he's in state B, where does um, this broker dealer need to register? Um, so the answer would be only state A, um, even though they spend some time in state B, this resident is still a resident of state A, but if they change their residencies to state B, then that would be a different answer. So state A. All right, so moving on, we're going to go to the agents, um, the people who represent the broker dealers in affecting securities transactions. Um, these people only have to register at the state level, whereas the broker dealers, as we know, had to register at the state and federal level. So agents are only at the state level. Um, where do agents need to register? Any state where the agent does business, which means they originate an offer in the state or they direct it and offered to the state. So remember that they must register if they originate the offer in the state or direct it to that state, like not the same state, but whatever state they directed to. Um, remember that agents registration is only based on offers and directs, not retail versus institutional clients. So if they have an institutional client, they might, they they would still definitely have to register as an agent. Who is excluded from the agent when it comes to registering as an agent? Um, admin and clerical staff, not like state admins, but they do not affect uh, securities transactions. Employees representing issuers in, connect in connections with the issuers. So let's, let's break this down. So uh, exempt securities limited. So I guess you could say like New York City employee, um, if the exempt, if it's an exempt transaction, so like uh, a muni bond uh, building off the New York City example, or if the transaction is, uh, if it's a exempt transaction, like a Reg D, and um, so these are just employees of the issuers if the sales to existing employees without earning commission. So if there's, if an employee of an issuer is selling securities and they're earning commission, then they would have to register as an agent. But if they're not, if they're not, then they don't have to register as an agent. And a good example of this is the HR person who sells employee stock options to the employees. So remember that employers representing the issuers in connection with who work with the issuers are not um, agents if the security is exempt, if the transaction is exempt, or sales to existing employees without any commission. Example, the HR person selling stock options to its employees. All right, so let's, let's do a little exercise. Who is an agent? Jane, an employee or broker XYZ sells exempt U.S. Treasury bonds to an institutional client. Is she an agent? And the answer is yes, she is an agent. Uh, so, because she is the employee of the broker dealer. So, uh, don't, don't get that mixed up, even though the transaction ex is exempt. Sam, an employee of the U.S. Treasury sells exempt U.S. Treasury bonds and to retail and institutional clients because he works for the U.S. Treasury, which is the issuer and sells an exempt securities, he would not have to register as an agent. 
a sales assistant who answers phone calls and provides clients with current market quotes, aka an admin. Would this person be an agent? No, because they're not selling or they're not getting sales commission. A sales assistant who provides quotes and accepts customers' orders to give to the traders because this person is accepting and is affecting security transactions, they would have to uh, register as an admin. George, a clerk who works for a broker dealer, dealer a, blech, George, George is a clerk who works for broker dealer ABC and receives a bonuses based, bonus based on overall co company profits. Does he have to register as an agent? This one would be no because the bonus is based on the company's overall profits. But let's build on that. If Alan, an assistant, works for broker dealer XYZ and receives his, receives a bonus based on individual sale metrics, does, is he a broker or is he an agent? Absolutely, because his bonus is based on sales metrics. Okay, let's talk about agent registration. Um, so agent registration, remember, only at the state level. How to register as an agent? You got to submit an application, aka the U4. Um, you got to also consent to service the process, pay filing fees. Um, bonding may be requiring, may be required, but no financial or net worth requirements. Um, so remember, the registration becomes effective noon, 30 days after filing. Uh, renewal is December 31st. And this is just the fees, not necessarily the testing for the agent. So the fees are due December 31st in the renewal. Um, termination. If um, you are terminated, the, not necessarily fired, but if you just leave the firm, um, the agent's got to notify, the old firm has to notify, and the new firm's got to notify the administrator. So let's do some practice questions. Um, an agent works in her firm in the New York offices. She calls a retail client in New Jersey with an investment idea, but this client does not make a purchase. Um, where must the agent be registered under the USA? So the answer would be New York and New Jersey, as in New York, the investment was originated and it was directed to New Jersey. So you'd have to register in New York and New Jersey. Um, so let's do that example again. If an agent works in her firm in the New York office and she calls a retail client in New Jersey with an investment idea, but the client does not make a purchase, where where must the agent be registered under the USA? New York and New Jersey, the, the security was originated in New York and it was directed in New Jersey. Second one. The same agent calls an institutional client in New Jersey with an investment opportunity. The institutional likes to, the institutional client likes to trade and makes a purchase. Where must the agent be registered under the USA? This is kind of a trip question, but remember, agents and broker dealers are not the same, so it'd be the same answer in New York, New Jersey, as it was originated in New York and directed in New Jersey. Next question, broker-dealer ABC hires a summer intern to cold call customers. Does the intern need to be registered um, to do so? Let's think about that, all right? An intern hired a broker-dealer ABC for the summer to cold call customers. Do they need to be registered as an agent? 
The answer would be nope if all he does is ask whether the client would like more information. Um, because cold calling is essentially just pitching. Uh, you're just screening for information. You're not directing. You're, you're not necessarily taking direct orders. Um, he's, he's okay. He doesn't have to register. So remember, cold calling on the test might just mean screening for more information. Um, moving on, what can a customer sue um, the, the broker-dealer for, or the, sorry, the agent for? In the following situations, a lawsuit against the agent can proceed with notice to the administrator instead of uh, the agent. So I guess this means a customer can sue you and can, can proceed with notice to the administrator instead of the agent. Um, so just remember, we'll, we'll do true or false for these ones. Um, a civil action for a USA violation, that is true. Um, a civil action for a slip and fall, no, you can't. Only for a USA violation. And then um, anything criminal-wise, you cannot sue for, obviously. Um, and um, when you're doing the application, a consent to service a process is for security-related. Sorry, they can only sue you for security-related civil actions only. Um, still under the agent registration, here's another question. An agent's principal office is in state A with a second office in state B. The agent is registered in state A, B, and C, which the administrator which administrators must receive the agent's consent to process a service, service a process. Um, so that'd be A, B, and C because they're all in each state. So remember, um, if, if, if it comes to service a process, each state can receive its own consent on on this when it when you when you initially do the registration as an agent, you do it for each state. So it doesn't matter where your initial state you registered in; it's it's in each state. All right, let's move on to the other side of the equation, which is investment advisors. An investment advisor is any person, typically a firm, who provides security-related advice. Um, in the ordinary course of business and for compensation. Uh, examples of this are like financial planners, pension and retirement consultants, um, and I guess sports and entertainment representatives. When would a natural person register as an IA, which typically is a firm? Um, remember, sole proprietor registers as an IA and an IAR. Um, so that's a, a good example of when a natural person would register as an IA. Um, who is it excluded from the definition of an IA under the USA? Um, oh, yeah, and then remember, investment advisors can be state or, or federal, but um, under the U USA, that would be state. Who is excluded from the definition of an IA under the USA? Uh, remember, banks and savings institutions. Um, Agents of broker-dealers are if they're not selling investment advice, um, right? And then 
broker broker dealers um unless it's a broker dealer that offers a wrap or manage account then then they would have to register as a pd and an ia um bona fide financial publications like barons they wouldn't have to file as a investment advisor um investment advisor reps IARs are um, excluded from investment advisors. It's kind of kind of confusing, but okay. Um, late professionals, so this would be lawyers, accountants, and teachers. Um, advice must not be incidental um, for them to be excluded. So um, let's talk about investment advisor registration. We're where do IAs register? Um, they register at the state level. So please remember this. They register at the state level. Um, any office or retail, any if, if there's an office in the state, they must register. Or if there's more than five retail clients, um, if there's less, then they do not need to register in the state. So they must register at the state level. It, if there's any office or more than five retail clients. And then how about the federal? At the federal level, if they have more than a hundred million under management, then they must register at the federal level. If they have more, if they're registered in more than 15 states or um, advise investment company, I have no idea what that means, but remember the hundred million in the 15 states greater of, then they must register at the federal level. And usually, uh, when they register at the federal level, SEC registration is usually for pretty big advisors. So, um, hitting back on the state regist- registration for investment advisors, where do where do state IAs need to register? Does the state investment advisor have an office in the state? Then yes, must register with the state. Does the IA have more than than five clients. So if they had six retail retail clients, then they must register in the state. Um, how does a state registered advisor, how do they register? So they register through submitting form ADV. Um, I essentially in this form, um, it gives the details of the IA, business practices, fees, conflict of interest, um, et cetera. Remember for the ADV, it's filed electronically. Um, and never forget, they have to consent to service of process, must pay filing fees, um, and then addition, meet minimum financial bonding and record keeping requirements. And, um, Usually it's of the home state. And um, as where for broker dealers, remember the SEC requirements is usually the most strict one. Well, for here, if you're just state, it's usually your first first one where you must meet the minimum financial bondings. So of first state, and this is only for investment advisors. And typically it becomes effective noon, 30 days, uh, renewals, December 31st. So let's, let's, let's talk about federal covered investment advisors. Who is a federal covered advisor? 
So a firm with a hundred million or more in assets under management and just remember this chart in your mind. Uh, so let's say you have 90 million. If you have less than 90 million, you just have to register for the state. But if you get over that 90 million, you can register at the federal or state level um, in 180 days because there's a little bit of a buffer. So you don't go over that 100 million days. So you have 190 days after reaching 90 million. Once you go over 100 million, um, like I said, you register at the Fed or state. Originally, you were at the state, but you'd be registering at the Fed now. And then once you, uh, if you keep growing and you hit 110 million, then you have 90 days and you can only regi be registered at the federal level now. Now your priority is the federal level. Um, so there's a $20 million buffer that starts at 90 million and ends at 110 where you could be federal or state. So let's recap that. You are state registered until you hit 90 million. Then you have the option of going to Fed to state. You have 180 days to decide. Once you hit 100 million, you're still Fed or state. Um, you definitely got to register at the Fed, but you could also be state. And then once you hit 110, you're for sure all in Fed, and you have 90 days when you hit 110. So. And then once you are uh, federally covered, you must um, notice file, do a notice file. If the IA has a place of business in the state or has more than five retail clients, um, obviously, if you're federal covered and this is the case, then you submit all the SEC forms, but you also have to do a notice file to the admin of each state that you have a place of business or more than five retail clients. Um, so I guess let's do an example of a federal, federally federal covered investment advisor. Where can this federally covered investment advisor do business? It can do business in all states, but must notice file if one of the two requirements are met, has an office or five retail clients. So remember, you must notice file in those states. And then going on to our last section, um, this should be really quick. And the people representing those investment advisors are, are investment advisor representatives, IARs. Um, investment advisor representatives, IAR is a natural person who provides security-related advice, manages clients' portfolios or accounts, determine what advice should be given, solicits new advisory clients for IAs, supervises any IARs. Um, so if you supervise an IAR, you are also an IAR. Um, remember, IARs always register at the state level, unlike their employer who registers at state or federal, but the IAR is always at the state. Um, an IAR must register in any state with, if the state has a place of business or has more than five retail clients, the IAR must register in that state. Um, as far as a federal covered, I, I, sorry, so if your firm is a federally covered IA, um, the IAR must register in any state with a place of business. So, 
not to get too confused. IAR registration. So remember, if if your IA is just registered in the state, um, any place of business, more than five retail clients, the IAR must register in that state. But if you work for a federally covered IA and you're the IAR, you must register in any state with a place of business. Uh, registration, how do you register as an IAR? You must submit a U4, um, consent to service a process, always for every registration, pay your filing fees. There is no financial requirements for this one. Um, effectiveness, 30 days noon, renewal, December 31st. Um, termination, you must give notice to the admin if you are a federally covered IAR, if you're if your firm's federally covered IA, then the IAR must give notice. But if you're just a state covered one, then the IA will give notice. And then that wraps up IAR. Yo, 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 let's do it, let's do it. All right, welcome back. Um, let's get into section two, where we're going to be talking about securities registration. Ah. So in this section, you will learn what a security is, um, what to do when securities need to be registered, what securities are exempt from registration, and what is an exempt transaction. So let's start off with the first part. What is a security? Um, so security, if we were to define a security in, uh, in parallel, use an example. Uh, let's use IBM common stock. So security um, must be an investment of money, aka you buy and pay for 100 shares by IBM, is a common enterprise, aka your fortunes are tied to IBM in your fellow shareholder suit. And then number three, with the expectation of profits down the road, not like Tesla, JK, um, aka you expect a profit with dividends in the scale of uh, IBM shares, and then fourth, um, derived from other derived from the efforts of others. Others run IBM, not the investors. So that's what a security is. Um, here's a list of what securities are, and uh, sorry, which securities are considered securities and what's not considered securities. Um, List of securities, the quick list is stocks, bonds, debentures, um, evidence of in deben, uh, forget that one, mutual funds, certificate of interest in a gas, oil, gas, mining, or lease company, must be an MLP, options are considered securities, uh, remember variable annuities are also securities, so if you hear the word variable, it's a security, so what's not a security? So let's go into that. So remember these commodities, your personal residence, like your house, currencies, collectible, interest in a retirement plan, a 401k, an IRA, or a Keogh plan, or a fixed annuity. So remember, fixed annuity is not a security, but a variable annuity is a security. So variable annuity is a security, fixed annuity is not a security. Um, so let's go over the registration of securities. General rule, securities must be registered in the state for lawful sale unless A, the security is exempt or the transaction is exempt. 
So how are securities registered? Um, types of registration for securities, and there's three types that you should get familiar with. And um, those ones on a national level, it's called coordination. Um, cord coordination is you file with the SEC filings, and you would use this to register in multiple states. Um, and the second one is called local in, uh, this, sorry, this one's for local and only in that state, and that's called qualifications. So you file with the individual states. Um, this is used for interest rate, interest state offerings. Um, so in with coordination and qualification, you would update the admin on a quarterly basis. Um, in the last one is called notice filing, is you provide states with copies of the SEC file documents used for federal cover securities. Um, so that's notice filing. So to repeat myself, there's three types, coordination and qualification. Coordination is um, used when you're registering in multiple states. Qualification is used um, just in that state, interest state offering, and uh, for both of them, you got to update the admin on a quarterly basis. And then the last one is mostly used for federal, um, but this is the notice for the state filing. It's called a notice filing. You provide the states with a copy of the uh, SEC file documents. So um, next, we're going to be talking about exemptions from registration. Um, there are many ways to avoid registration. So let's, let's talk about some of the uh, exempt securities you might see. So exempt securities include U.S. government securities, um, foreign government, national securities, U.S. and Canadian municipal securities, banking, saving, institutional and trust companies, credit union securities, insurance company stocks and bonds, not variable policies, right? So remember variable and fixed. Um, public utility securities, commercial paper if it's not over 270 days, uh, em employee benefit plans, and then non-for-profit securities, aka university securities, and federal cover securities. But remember the non-for-profit non securities and federal covered securities are revocable by the admin. These are revo revocable by the admin under federal cover securities. Nationally listed securities, example, under U.S. exchanges like the New York Stocks Exchange or the Midwest Exchange. Investment company securities, U.S. government securities, again, out-of-state municipal securities, and Reg D private placement. Um, for these ones, remember, you got a notice file with state, though. You still got a notice file with state. Uh, also remember, an exempt security is unrelated unrelated to the registra registration of a BD agent, IA or IAR. Um, the BD still has to regist be registered to sell these securities, I guess. So it's just the securities don't have to be registered or, or that BD agent, IA and IAR have to be registered. Um, exemptions from registration, um, part two, there's also, another way to avoid registration, and this is by doing an exempt transaction. And uh, just keep in mind, all these transactions I'm about to mention are re revocable by the admin as well. So they're also revocable by the admin. Um, 
Okay, so an unsolicited transaction is an exempt transaction where they, uh, customer uh, wants you to buy security for them. Isolated and non-issuer transactions, underwriter, underwriting transactions, fiduciary transactions, institutional transactions, limited offer transactions, state and private placement. Um, transactions with existing security holders. So remember, um, those are exempt transactions. What does it mean if a security is exempt or the transactions exempt? Um, the answer to this is the security can be lawfully sold in the state without registration and no need to file ads or sales literature. And ex just remember an exempt transaction is unrelated to the registration of a BD and agent IA or IAR. So I guess we could go through some practice questions or not quite yet, but please remember this part. Um, here are kind of like the steps to uh, identify if it's what kind of security registration you need. So let's go through number one, is the security being sold aka um, make sure it, it is really security. Remember, we went through those non-security list, which was like gold, real estate, fixed products, etc. Those do not re require registration. Your next step would be to find out if the security is exempt. Um, exempt securities do not need to require registration. Um, next is, is it a federal cover? So it could be an exempt security, but if it's fer federally covered, the admin, um, you may, you still may be required to do a notice filing, as I mentioned, for some federally covered securities. Um, you would also want to see if it's an exempt transaction. Exempt transactions allow the scale of unregistered securities. Selling a non-exempt security in a non-exempt transaction, you must register in a state for lawful sale. So remember that. Don't get it mixed up. A non-exempt security in a non-exempt transaction. If, if one or the other is is exempt, then you're good. You don't have to register. But if it's a non-exempt security in a non-exempt transaction, um, must be registered in the state. And if you're just selling in that one state. So going back to what I said before, remember the three types of uh, ways you can um, register security, coordination, qualification, and notice file. So if you're just selling in one state, remember, if it's only interstate, you do the qualification file. If you're selling in multiple states, you do the coordination filing. So let's go through a few examples and we can wrap this up. This is a rather quick one. And sorry, getting distracted by my mouse running out. Um, broker dealer XYZ is a national firm registered to do business in all states. Miss Parker, an agent of XYZ, is registered in states A and B. Gamma, a technology company, registered new shares by coordination in state A and C. Are the following true? So if you registered with coordination, it means you can, um, you can issue in different states. Remember, coordination means you're selling in multiple states, but this agent is only registered in A and B. 
Miss, can Miss Parker offer gamma shares to residents of state A and B? Um, that would be false because as we said from the question, um, the gamma shares are registered in state A and C, so she could not sell them in state B because they're not registered. Um, can Miss Parker offer gamma shares to residents of state A and C? So this would also be false because she's only registered in state A or B and she's not registered in state C. So they both got to be registered. Can Miss Parker accept unsolicited offers from residents in state B? This is true. She's registered in state B and the shares are technically exempt because these are unsolicited um, offers. Can Miss Parker accept unsolicited offers from residents of state C. Um, so think about that, right? The answer would be no, because she is not registered in state C. And that wraps up securities registration. Check, check, check. Uh, welcome back. And now we're going to be covering section three. Um, Section three will be covering the remedies and administrative provisions. So in this section, we'll go over what a jurisdiction is and the legal authority um, to regulate securities activities in these jurisdictions. When does the administrator have jurisdiction? What authority does the administrator have? And what are the penalties for violating the USA? All right, so jurisdiction. Um, the state admin has jurisdiction if an offer originates in the states at in the admin state is directed into the admin state or is accepted into the admin state. So remember, the state's admin has jurisdiction if an offer originates in that state, is directed into that state, or is accepted into that state. Um, another thing to keep in mind is multiple admins can have jurisdiction over um over the same securities, so, over the same transaction, sorry. So let's do a quick example. Who has jurisdiction over the transaction, question mark? An offer has made has been made from state A to a retail client in state B. So technically, state A and state B would have jurisdiction. State A originated the offer and state B got it directed into. An offer made from state A to state B resident. Um, the state B resident accepts the offer while in state C. So how, who would have jurisdiction in this case? State A was the one that originated it. So it would have jurisdiction, state B, because the offer was directed into state B's uh, state. So state B would have jurisdiction in state C while the resident was in state C you know, the residents state B, the offer was accepted in state C, so state C would have jurisdiction. How about if um, there's publishing and broadcasting, who has jurisdictions? Offers, aka advertisements, for securities made on TV, radio, and newspaper have special rules. So let's talk about these uh, types of offer, TV or an ad radio. Jurisdiction is only in the state it originally located from. So let's say a 
broker-dealer does an ad out of a radio station in New York, and that is broadcast into New York, or in the Pennsylvania. The jurisdiction only stays in New York. How about a newspaper? A newspaper um, is also the same case. It is um, in the state of publication, so... So if the newspaper starts in New York, goes to Pennsylvania on the train, jurisdiction stays in New York. Um, how about a newspaper of general circulation? No jurisdiction. Um, so a good example is if more than two-thirds of the circulation is outside that state of the publication, there is no jurisdiction. So let's talk about offers for sale. What is an offer? So an example of an offer is, would you like to purchase, if an agent went to a customer and like, would you want to purchase mutual fund XYZ? That's an offer. Customer says, no, there's no sale. Uh, second example, agent, would you like to purchase mutual fund XYZ? That is an offer. Customer says, yes, that's a sale. Yeah, so that'd be a sale. Third example, and remember this, a radio, TV, newspaper out of state, the publication says, Buy mutual fund XYZ. That is not an offer. But if a customer places an order to buy sales of the mutual fund XYZ, that is a sale then. So that's a sale. Next topic is administrator's actions. Um, make, amend, or rescind rules of orders. Uh, so we're just going to talk about what the administrator has in their jurisdiction. Uh, obviously, they must have jurisdiction. So... Remember that rules apply to everyone, but orders are um, for a specific instance. So remember, rules are broad and orders are narrow. Um, the admin can conduct investigation and issue subpoenas. Um, if they issue a subpoena, people must appear to testify, um, maybe public or private, within or outside of the states. It, at, in the admin state, in or out of the state, um, you know, if they committed a crime in, in your state, uh, we'll, we'll go through more examples, but they can have jurisdiction out of that state. So, um, they can issue cease and cease orders. An order, a cease and cease order is an order requiring a specific activity to stop, to cease. Example, to have a firm stop a transaction before fraud is occurring. So if they know fraud's about to occur, they can order that BD to cease and decease. And then another one is deny, suspend, cancel, and revoke registration. So let's talk a little bit more about deny, suspend, or revoke registration. Um, termination of a registration for violation of the USA. Either to a person's um, BD agent, IA or IAR, or this could also happen to a security, aka stock or bond that um, is registered. So wh what would the timeline be for this deny, suspend, or revoke a registration? So obviously there would be a notice sent out to the IAR and the firm. So it, sorry, a notice would either be sent out to the agent or the firm. Um, Agent IAR, the firm BD IA. Step two would be a hearing. So this would be under the subpoena, right? Um, 
there is a request in 15 days to have that hearing. Number three, finding of facts. Um, remember, there is two findings. One's got to be in the public's best interest and um, the violation, bad action, and additional reasoning. I don't know what that means. And then the final order, the final order um, happens, and if the party disagrees, they can appeal within 60 days of the final order. So remember that notice, hearing, finding of facts, and final order. So, yeah. Uh, more on denying and suspending or revoking registrations. Would the following convictions within the past 10 years result in a statutory disqualification? You should know this. Uh, Securities-related misdemeanor, absolutely. Non-securities-related misdemeanor, no. Securities-related felony, yes. Non-securities-related felonies, yes. But it's up to 10 years. After 10 years for a game, we don't care. Um, an application for registration in state aid that closes, discloses a non-security misdemeanor seven years ago in state B. The crime is actually a felony in state A, though. The administrator of state A will consider a crime, that crime, a felony or misdemeanor. So this one would be a felony because it happened in state A. Sorry, this is a misdemeanor because it happened in state A where it's a misdemeanor, even though in state B. It's a felony, and he's applying to register in state B, but it originally happened in state B. It originally happened in state A, and it's a misdemeanor, so the, 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 the answer is B, like question, or sorry, answer choice B. <laughs> so, um, termination as far as uh, not, getting, got, not getting your uh, registration revoked, you can withdraw or cancel registration. Um, so the way you terminate your registration without a violation of the USA is through a withdrawal or cancellation. Um, a withdrawal is termination by request. So let's just say you're you're pulling your business out of the state. That would be a withdrawal. It's effective for 30 days. And uh, remember that admin jurisdiction is for one year. Um, cancellation, the registra- registrant no longer exists or ceases to doing business. Um, so an example of this would be dissolution of the business, um, death, maybe the sole proprietor has died, um, legal incompetence. Um, so let's, let's, let's do some more examples on whether it's a, your registration has been revoked, canceled, or, or withdraw. So if the agent ret- retires, what is the correct answer? This would be um, withdraw. But remember, jurisdiction for one year. If the broker-dealer violates the USA, this would be a revoke. You you would get your um your uh sorry, you would get your registration um revoked. IA's mail is returned with no forwarding address. Uh, this would get your registration would get canceled. IAR's registration is revoked in another state. Um, so. This would obviously be revoked. Um, the agent is deemed mentally incompetent. Um, this would be cancellation. So, and that's it. All right, so moving on, we're going to talk about penalties and liabilities. Um, so if you violate the USA, right, if um, there was a violation, you would face a civil liability and a criminal liability. So let's start with the civil liability. 
who files a lawsuit? The investor would. What is the penalty that the investor um, can make on you? So the max recovery is the investors are made whole. Um, so we'll talk about more made whole. And um, what are the statute of limitations for this is um, the earlier of three years from the violation or two years from discovery. So three years from violation and two years from discovery. So remember, violation of the USA, you have a civil civil and a criminal liability. On the criminal or on the civil side, it's the investor who files the lawsuit. The penalty is you got to make the investors made you got to make them whole. They got to be made whole. And the statute of limitations is the earlier of three years or the or two years. Sorry, three years from violation, two years from discovery. Um, let's go to the other side of the court. If on the criminal liability, who uh, files the lawsuit? The state does, but it's not the admin. So it's the state. Um, what is the penalty? The penalty is up to five grand and or three years in jail that you can serve. Um, the statutes of limitations is up to five years from the violation for the criminal liability. So recap. So under a civil liability, who files a lawsuit? The investor does. Under a criminal liability, who files a lawsuit? The state. But this is not the admin, so don't get confused. What is the penalty under a civil liability? The max recovery is you got to make the investor made whole. Um, what is the max penalty under a criminal liability is up to $5,000 in fees and or three years in jail. What is the statute of limitations for civil liability? Three years um, from the violation or two years from discovery of, of the, um, the accusation. And then from the criminal liability, what's the statute of limitations? Um, up to five years from the violation. Um, so let's do some examples of statute of limitations. Um, on March 1st, 2015, an agent sold an unregistered security to a customer. Question, if the customer discovered the violation on April 1st, 2015, what is the latest she can file the lawsuit? So, right, this would be three years from the violation or two years from discovery. Um, three years from the violation would be March 1st, 2018, but two years from discovering it. So she discovered it, um, April 5th, 2015. So it would be April 5th, 2017. And the earliest one is, well, April 5th, 2017. Another question. Um, Right, so another question. What if the customer discovered the violation on February 1st, 2018? What is the latest she can file the lawsuit? So three years from the violation would be March 1st, 2018. But two years from discovery would be February 1st, 2020. So um, in this case, it would be March 1st. And then another question. What is the latest the state could bring a criminal action against this agent? Um, well, because the crime was, um, happened on March, it's not really a crime, but just you sold unregistered securities on March 1st, 2015. The latest, um, for a criminal, a criminal action against the agent is March 1st, 2020, five years from the violation. 
So let's do some more questions. A customer has sold a security in violation of the USA. Under the USA civil liability provision, what is the maximum recovery? Answer is the investor needs to be made whole. Um, another one for civil lawsuits. To proceed under the USA, which of the following statements must be true? Both the plaintiff and defendant must be alive. The plaintiff must be alive. The defendant must be alive. Neither the plaintiff or the defendant must be alive. Um, so I guess the, the correct answer is D. Neither of them need to be alive. I don't really understand that one, but whatever. Um, an agent, let's do another one. An agent comes to learn that he unintentionally sold a non-exempt security in a non-exempt transaction in the state. To avoid a lawsuit, he can offer the investor what? And the correction is recession. Remember, you can be made whole, but let's just say this investor is actually making money on their on that transaction. So, recession is good for 30 days. If they say no after 30 days, then you're good. Um, which why would they want recession if 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 they're making money on that security? So let's do some true and false. Violation of the USA. True or false? An agent directs an offer into a state where he, where he's not registered. Yes, that is definitely a violation. A registered agent tells an unregistered exempt security, sells an unregistered exempt security to a retail client. Uh, no, it's not a violation. It was exempt. In a, a registered agent sells an unregistered non-exempt security to an institutional client. Um, this is also false. It, it was an exempt transaction because um, the, it's an institutional client, so it's an exempt transaction. Uh, so the last question, a broker-dealer does a business, does business with two retail clients in the state, which he is not registered. This is obviously uh, true. This is a violation. Remember, um, if a broker dealer does more than one retail client, he needs to be registered in that state. Um, so moving on, let's talk about um, the penalties and liabilities. Which of the following applies to customers who win a uh, civil suit or accepts a right of recession? Recession under the USA. Um, so it, it, this, this is essentially asking what the customer gets when they are being made whole. So customer recovers the securities um, must be at the original purchase price. If you're making whole a customer, you got to pay them interest on the time too. This is paid from the payment date. So not the confirmation date, but the payment date. So you owe them interest from whenever they paid for those securities to now. Um, attorneys' fees and costs are paid by the defendant, not the plaintiff. And income received from the investment is subtracted from the recovery. So I have no idea what that means, but just remember that.
Um, filing of advertising and literature sales. The administrator may, by rule or order, require filing of all advertisement or literature as a perspective to prospective investors or advisory clients unless security the security is exempt or the transaction is exempt. So let's do a couple examples. Um, an agent sends a letter to clients about a stock listed on the Midwest Exchange. Well, obviously, it's on the Midwest Exchange. That is exempt security, so no filing. A broker-dealer sends letter, emails, and faxes to potential investors. Yeah, you would have to file that. A securities professional sends an institutional client a prospectus about an IPO. This would actually be no for two reasons. And why are those two reasons? Well, no filing, number one, because it's an institutional client, um, exempt transaction, and I think something with the underwriting. But more more importantly, it's uh, no filing because it's an institutional client, so that means uh, exempt transaction, and that's it. All right, all right, we're back. This is section four. And in section four, hold on, give me a second. We will be talking about communication made with customers and prospects. All right, all right. So overview of this um, section. Um, we'll talk about what disclosures have to be made to prospective and existing clients. Clients. What messages and communications are permitted and prohibited? How can securities professionals use social media? All right, so let's talk about disclosures. All of these got to be disclosed when you're talking to the clients. Physical certificate issuance fees, account transfer fees, margin account interest. Um, so these are all account fees. You got to disclose all account fees. What about stuff that is not account fees? Um, you also have to uh, disclose those. So remember, you got to disclose account fees. And what makes up account fees? Margin account interest, account transfer fees, physical certificate issuance fees. But then you also got to disclose what does not make up account fees. So that would be commissions, markups, markdowns, and advisory fees. Uh, you got to disclose these separately. Separately. Gosh, sorry. Tongue twisting everything. So let's go uh, talk about a couple examples pertaining to disclosures. Um, avoid misrepresentations of a professional or securities registration. So uh, here's a few examples, um, few statements. Uh, can we say these or not? So first one is, the New York State Administrator just approved our state's registration. So this is prohibited. You cannot say the New York State Administrator just approved. So you can't say that. Two, I am a registered agent, a broker-dealer, A, B, and C. Um, yes, you are allowed to say this. Nothing wrong. Number three. This is a federal cover security, which means the SEC has reviewed the prospectus for accuracy. 
Um, this is wrong. This is false. Remember from your series 79 that they don't review for accuracy. They just, um, they, they just, appro they approve it. So no, don't, don't say that. These securities were registered for lawful sale in both the SEC and all 50 states. Um, so this would be allowed in what kind of registration method? This is a coordination because you're doing multiple states. How about some ethical communication? Are the following statements permitted? The return of principal and interest and dividends on the security is guaranteed by a third party. Um, I get this barely makes permitted. So yes, you can permit this because you're just saying the return of principal interest and dividends is guaranteed by a third party. Um, how about number two? I guarantee the performance of this investment. Absolutely not. You can't say that. That is prohibited. You cannot guarantee um, gains on an investment. The first one you were just guaranteeing the principal and kind of like the dividend payments and the interest. Um, and and you weren't guaranteeing that one. The third party, remember, is guaranteed by a third party. But this one is you personally guaranteeing the performance of the investment. You cannot do that. That is prohibited. No. Number three, I'll need to charge you a higher than normal commission due to the lack of liquidity and risk associated with the trade. This is absolutely permitted. You can say this, but you must disclose the um, upcharge. Due to a bona fide error, this firm is removing the trade from your account and you will be credited with any losses. Um, this is permitted for your firm to say this, but the agent cannot say this to, um, to clients. Um, if anyone asks you about testimonials, which of the following statements regarding testimonials are true? Broker-dealers may use testimonials. Investment advisors may use testimonials. Both broker-dealers and investment advisors may use testimonials. Neither broker-dealers or nor the investment advisors may use testimonials. So just remember, IAs and IARs may not use testimonials. So the correct answer is A, broker-dealers may use testimonials. And so can agents. Agents, broker-dealers can use testimonials all day. Not your IAs and IARs. They may not use testimonials at all. Going on to our last question on advertising and social media. Recommendations on social media must meet suitability and requirements, but not all online postments. Ugh, let me go back. Okay, recommendations on social media must meet suitability requirements, but not all online postings are recommendations. Is the following online posting a recommendation? A broker-dealer's website offers equity research reports with buy-sell ratings, quotes, and charts. So this is not a recommendation. They just offer it. An online analyst who provides automated suggestions after a client inputs financial objectives, time horizons, risk tolerance, so this would be yes, this is a recommendation. A firm provides an email alert and updates of financial news affecting customers holding at the MM's firm. Um, no, this is not a recommendation. A broker-dealer sends an email list with strong buys. Um, yeah, this is definitely a um, recommendation.
So remember, if 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 you're gonna do recommendations, social media must meet suitability requirements, and uh, that is it. All right, welcome back. Um, this will be section five. Where we're gonna talk about ethical practices and obligations. Um, in this chapter section, I guess we'll talk about what is a cough conflict of interest, um, what is acceptable compensation, and what is custody. All right, let's, let's start. Uh, first part is dishonest or, not, or unethical business practices. Um, so let's talk about some prohibited practices. Um, obviously, an example of one is called churning. Uh, the agent places trades for an account that are excessive in frequency. So this agent is engaged in churning. What are some other ones? Um, unsuitable recommendations. So inconsistent with the client's financial profile. So remember that one. Another one is called selling away, trading off the broker dealer's books. So if, let's just say you're doing side deals with the same client of the broker dealers, it's called selling away. Another one would be unauthorized transactions, um, executing trades without the client's consent. So maybe if the spouse of the client is asking you to do trades, but you need um, authorization from the husband. So, And then the last one is discretionary trading. Um, an agent, I... IAR trades on the behalf of the client without a power of attorney. Um, so this is prohibited. Um, just remember IARs, so employees of the IAs, a verbal power of attorney is permitted, is permitted for 10 business days after the initial this, uh, discretionary transaction. So remember that a verbal power of attorney or POA is permitted for IARs 10 days after the trade. So let's do some examples. Discretionary authority. Does the agent IAR need discretionary authority to so to do the to select the following? So to visualize this, let's um, let's say do you need discretionary authority, right? So if it's the asset you do, right? Um, if it's the time you don't. Um, if it's the action the buyer sell, the stock you absolutely do, the amount you do, and the price you don't. So remember that the asset you need authority, the time you don't, the action the buyer sell you do, the amount you do, but the price you don't. So the time and the price you don't. Just remember that. And examples of this would be like. Buy 300 shares of, if your client said buy 300 shares of GE at a good price, do you need discretionary authority for this? No. Um, take profits and liquidate 10% of the portfolio. You absolutely do because you don't know which assets to, um, to liquidate. So I would say yes. And then, um, sell IBM and buy Apple. You would need discretionary discretionary authority because you don't know how much 
you need to buy. And then the next one is rebalance. If a customer said rebalance my portfolio on a quarterly basis, you need authority because you don't know which assets to sell or buy. Um, all right, so next one is, let's talk about open-end investment companies. So here's a couple questions. All of the following are potential fees associated with the ownership of an open-end investment company, aka mutual fund, except A, front load, B, back load fees, C, 12B1-1 fees, or D, commission. Um, and so the correct answer is D, commission. Commission is not included in this. An agent, next question, an agent solicits an investment company's shares as having no load. Which of the following fees could the shares carry? So it can't be front or back end. And the next one is 12B fees. So that is the correct answer. The other answer is no fees whatsoever, but the correct answer is C, 12B-1 fees. And remember, these got to be less than 25 basis points. Um, so let's talk about more, more about open-end investment companies. A client is seeking to lower the cost associated with an open-end investment company share, a mutual fund. Each of the following would help achieve these goals, except, so your first choice is the breakpoint. Um, and remember, a breakpoint reduces the sale charge for a large investment. So if you Want to do a large investment uh, offer breakpoint, so that's not the right one. Letter of intent um, achieves a breakpoint over 13 months. It's an agreement that the investment, um, it, like in an aggregate, that you're going to aggregate your investment. So that's not it because you get a discount. Um, rights of accumulation use share appreciation to reach a breakpoint. You can do that. So the correct answer is selling dividends. The client seeking to lower the costs associated with an open-ended, which a mutual fund, each of the following would help achieve this goal, except selling your dividends. It's a prohibited sell violation. Um, here's some more questions. According to the NASAA model rules, an agent may lend money to a borrower or borrow money to a client who is, well, we know this one. You're, you're never allowed to unless it's a financial institution engaged in loaning fundings, funds. So that's pretty easy. Um, the following is, is it ethical? Yes or no. Adjusting and rebalancing a client's retirement account on a daily basis, absolutely not ethical. So that's no. Recommending high-yield bonds to a client who has a current income objective. This is absolutely not ethical. It's not suitable. Uh, number three, purchasing mutual fund, mun sorry, municipal bonds for a new investor in a low tax bracket. Absolutely not. You should only buy those for high tax bracket people, clients. Switching a client between mutual funds with similar investment objectives. Nope, this is churning. Remember that. And we're almost done here. A um, couple more things. Ethical practices and obligations. The NA, 
SAA model rule permits the following activities, true or false. Executing a transaction in a margin account prior to receiving the customer's signed margin agreement. You are allowed to do this, but the documents are required promptly after the transaction. So remember that. Um, an IAR is sharing in the account. Absolutely not. You cannot share in the account for an IAR. An agent selling, sharing the account. Um, true, but the client and the firm's permission must be, there must be permission from the client and the firm, and it does not have to be proportional to the, the account. So remember, an IAR cannot share with their client's account, but an agent can share in their account, but you need permission from the agent and the firm, and it does not have to be proportional to the account. Um, sharing commissions within a single firm, uh, you can actually, yes, you can share commissions within a single firm. Um, you must disclose if this increases the client's costs. So remember that. Recommending the same security to all customers. False. You cannot do this. This is called a blanket recommendation. Um, allocating an oversubscribed new issue to a family member account. You can absolutely not do this. Um, go back to your 79 training. You cannot allocate oversubscribed new issue to family account. Last one is agent IAR recommending securities he owns and yes you can do that but you have to disclose there must be a disclosure for this one moving on Mike all right so next one is custody all right custody is holding directly and indirectly a client's funds or securities or having the authority to obtain possession of them. Custody requires notice to an admin, not permission, and quarterly statements to a customer, to the client. So remember, custody is holding directly or indirectly a client's fund or securities or having the authority to obtain possession of them. Custody requires a notice to the admin, not permission, and a quarterly statement to clients. So let's, let's go through a few examples here. Um, is the following firm a custodian? A firm receives a customer's assets from time to time, but returns them within three business days. So if it's less than three business days, they're not considered custodian. More than three business days, I think they are. So that'd be no. A firm, a firm exercised discretion over all its clients' accounts without trading trade by trade approval um no this is not a custodian because they do the trading for them because they don't need trade by trade they've signed a power of attorney so they're not a custodian a firm manages a pool a pooled account etf mutual fund pension funds with nominal ownership of the assets um yes they would be a, a custodian in this case so um next one let's do an example of, uh, I'll just, I'll just read it off. So this, 
if it's a custodian, uh, discretionary, custodian and discretion, neither custodian discretion. So it should actually be really quick. So, so a per, let's do number eight. A person with trading authority over a client's assets, what would they be? So this person would be discretion and IAR would be a good example of this. So remember that. Number two would be a person who makes recommendations that the clients execute on their own. Um, this would actually be an agent. So neither custodian or discretion. So essentially this would be the broker dealer agent where they do, um, you know, they might get commission on the trade, but they're, uh, they are just, uh, yeah, making recommendations that the clients execute the trade on their own. A person who holds the client's funds or securities. Um, this would be a, a custodial. This would be custody because they are safekeeping the person's funds and clients. And then the last one, a person who holds the client's funds and securities and trades these assets on the client's behalf. So this would be both uh, custody and discretionary. So this would be considered a wrap account where a BD has to register as, um, or a firm has to register as a broker dealer and and an IR, sorry, an IA investment advisor. Um, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're almost there. Okay. So Uniform Prudential Investor Act. I don't know if this will come up. It's called the UPIA. Fiduciaries must invest their clients' assets prudently. This means that Standard of prudence applies to portfolios overall asset mix. So just the entire portfolio, not each individual one. Um, the primary consideration of fiduciary is to balance the trust risk versus returns objectives. Remember that. And a fiduciary can invest in any type of securities investments, whoever, but it's got to be, um, in the fiduciary, they have a fiduciary responsibility, so it can't be anything crazy. Prudent investment requires diversification. Yeah, we know that. Fiduciaries and trustees may delegate investment functions to IAs. So investment functions from that. I, I, IARs. What? Well, interesting. We'll review this, but. All right, so let's look at the next one is we're going to talk about soft dollars. Let's talk about them soft dollars. So what are them soft dollars? Um, so these are just pertaining to clients under IRAs. So you have a money manager, investment advisor. So, right, they hold a, they hold, they have these clients and these clients, um, they place their securities in the broker dealer, right? And they place trades with the broker dealer, which the, the IA, the money manager, the investment advisor pays a commission to the broker dealer 
in return, the broker dealer might, you know, might, might give us some research reports, analytical software, um, and stuff. And you got to remember, right? Um, if you are the investment advisor and you're paying for the commissions for these trades, um, the commissions paid from the clients to the investment advisors will include a markup that the commissions that the, the investment advisors have to pay the broker dealers. But the broker dealers also give in return some paid stuff for the soft dollars, which is like research reports, industry journals and analytical software and industry seminar fees. But what is not included in this would be computer, travel, rent, internet, or telephone service. So your client at the client of an IA cannot pay for computer travel rent um, in the commission that is returned from the broker dealer to the investment advisor. So And then last one is soft dollars. An investment advisor routes orders to a broker dealer that charges fair but high commissions, which of the following is in the soft dollar safe harbor. So if it's included in the safe harbor, it's good. If it's not, no. The IA receives internet connectivity to the BD technology and computer hall hardware. So nope, this is not in the safe harbor. You cannot include this. The IA is invited to attend a BD's industry seminar in Hawaii on a complimentary basis. Yes, this is included in the safe harbor. But if the BD pays for all the expenses like travel associated with the industry seminar, this is not included in the safe harbor. And we are done.